Hello and welcome to episode 202 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Good man, good. All the twos that nearly threw me then. Um... I know, I was thinking that when you were saying it actually. <laughs> I was like 202 and it's Scream 2. Um, Hell yeah, yeah, Scream 2. Exactly, we're back with our retrospective uh, shows. Hopefully you guys listened to Scream last week because that was so much fun. Um, oh, it was. We're going to try not to just talk about Scream 1 again because we, we definitely could do that. Um, but no, we're dedicating a show to all of the Screams and next up is Scream 2, the sequel. Um, how will it fare? Let's find out uh, very shortly. Because these days, um, let's face it, you got to have a sequel. Exactly. <laughs> it's so hard to just like not throw in the quote all the time. <laughs> um, but that's part of the fun. Um, yeah, I was going to say, it'll never not happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we've got some news this week. Just a couple of uh, news stories here, but they're both pretty exciting. This first one's pretty insane. So exciting, man. Um, again, something that we kind of talked about on the show, whether or not they would actually do it. And uh, yeah, they've bloody well done it. Um, so yeah, I've got the initial tweet here from one Frightfest that says, um, Arrow Video Frightfest will go virtual over the August bank holiday, presenting up to 25 films from Friday the 28th of August till Monday the 31st. Uh, there will be guest intros, Q&As, and a short film sh- uh, showcase. Passes and individual tickets will go on sale in early August. Um, so yeah, that's pretty insane. Um, before we so discuss it, um, there's a little bit more information on the website. Uh, they say the same sort of things, up to 25 films, uh, free live events are at a planning stage. They also go on to say um, the films will be geo-locked for viewers in the UK only. Um, and in the final part, which I think a lot of people are asking on Twitter, was the lineup for the event will be announced on July 28th. Um, so a month away from recording. Um, how late is the finished. announcement ordinarily? July, kind of end of July seems late for like the yeah. initial film announcements obviously this is always going to be a bit late this time but mm. i can't think when we normally get our announcements yeah but... it's not i feel like it's normally in june sometime yeah. around then um... oh man but that honestly that made my week seeing that tweet <laughs> and just like knowing that we're going to get this virtual fright fest is just so exciting you know mm. knowing that we're getting something but hopefully in halloween uh a physical fright fest but this virtual thing just sounds awesome and like can't wait like yeah got a ton of questions about it one of the things was like how the hell are they gonna um restrict this like uk or whatever Mm. but it seems like they tried to come up with something that's gonna fix it um and and yeah just just i'm i'm so pumped for it i cannot wait i just hope there's some like exciting movies get announced um you know but fright fest is never disappointed thus far so i believe in it this year yeah, it's, it's super exciting that at least we'll have something to talk about. Um, mm. And it's, yeah, so kind of the, some of the interesting things here, obviously, they dropped a Thursday, um, so it's just a four-day event, um, obviously up to 25 films, which would make sense, really, if they're kind of penciling in, like, five slots a day for the four days. Um, yeah. And obviously... Um, the fact that yeah there's normally like what 80 or 90 movies because they obviously have multiple screens showing movies yeah. at different times so obviously this is a way more limited event and i think that makes way more sense um but yeah I'm, i like to say i'm fascinated obviously to see the lineup i'm fascinated to see kind of what they're charging and like how, how many of the hurt. 25 are we going to be able to watch I yeah exactly <laughs> like we we saw what was it 10 last year so but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we need to obviously figure out what we're doing, like how we're going to cover it. But yeah, it's exciting that we've at least got something. Um, I think with the timing of it... Live tweeting like... the entire weekend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that doesn't sound like a nightmare. Give, give the fans what they want. <laughs> um, don't do, make promises that you know. I, I, that I know you can't keep. Um, <laughs> I would but... send one tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> that's one more than usual. Um, yeah. but, Looking uh, forward to Fright Fest. There you go. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the other thing as well, obviously it makes sense to do it when they were going to have Fright Fest because that makes sense. But I think that it's almost like now it would be amazing because there's almost nothing else going on. Whereas when you look at when this is going to be on... Yeah, cinemas are going to be reopened at that point. Oh, yeah, they're going to be like... Because they're open at the end of this week as of recording. Mm. But obviously we have like scheduled cinema releases for horror before this date. Um, you know, like Antebellum and uh, New Mutants is like supposed to be out before this. Um, so you know it, it, it kind of takes the luster away a little bit like if this was like mm. start of july when we're like all still craving yeah we we were we were pumped for the end of august anyway yeah. let alone having 25 more films to, to worry yeah, about exactly. that's the thing uh, yeah. you know whereas right now we're doing screen retrospectives so yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> you know as fun as that is you know yeah. um we want to be doing new horror as soon as possible yeah exactly that timing is everything but mm. um yeah excited yeah. to see what the hell this oh, is man, like, nothing but nothing but like excitement for this yeah it, it really came like because obviously we did mention that like oh i wonder if they would do a digital because mm. obviously festivals in the u.s have but i don't know i think the fact that they announced only a cut last week or so that they were obviously extending the october event that to me felt like that was going to be the only announcement me too. and me then too. this just kind of yeah. out of nowhere maybe it was just because people were saying you know why don't you do virtual and they were just like you know what why don't we just give this a crack um yeah and i think as well like the fright fest family is so kind of collaborative and supportive maybe some people kind of got in contact with them that said look we know how we can start to facilitate something like this because i mean this is you know, this is a crazy um, thing that they're trying to attempt to do. Mm. You know, already what we know, like 25 movies over the course of a weekend that we're all going to somehow digitally stream at the same <laughs> time. Um, you know, it's going to be geo-locked to the UK. Like, this is this is a technical feat that they're trying to pull off. And, you know, when we spoke about it beforehand, we said that we have seen some of the largest uh electronic companies in the world in the video game world try to do these electronic events and fall flat on their ass so the fact that these poor guys are gonna are gonna tackle this like i completely respect it i love it and and yeah i just hope that they can uh pull it off yeah let's hope it goes better than how the ticket sales go online um <laughs> So yeah, fingers crossed on that one. Um, and yeah, hopefully, like you say, that obviously the the lineup is going to be announced in a month. But I hope we hear a few more details before then as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll keep you uh, uh, up to date on that one. Um, next up, this is a pretty interesting one because it just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and it's so yeah, um, basically a Shudder announcement um, coming in July um, is a movie that we have talked about on the show in the last few weeks, and it's In Search of Darkness um of course like the definitive 80s horror documentary um we discussed it like a lot or a little bit towards the end of last year when we obviously got to see it and it was incredible and yeah we've talked about it recently how it's just like it's still been on our minds and it's still awesome and wanting to rewatch it and this is like so perfect on so many levels as we've mm -hmm. discussed time and time again with a place like shudder that yeah like we want them to be the home for horror and like if you're the type of person that subscribes to a horror subscription service this is the exact thing that you want to see on there yeah like you will not be let down in every single way and i think that it's it's awesome and i love it um i'm curious what they'll do with the release of it because obviously it's a four-hour documentary and i think that most people watch it in in like you know segments or whatever yeah and obviously when you're on a streaming service like you can pause and play whenever you want that's fine but I, I think that might scare away some people if they just see it to flat four hours and i would love to see if they could somehow break it up into like six episodes or whatever and make it yeah, more it's interesting because obviously they did that with the um 
noir one didn't they yeah um and you know i i, I don't know the lineage of that documentary as much but maybe that was a longer thing that they split mm. up for for you know the streaming platform um but yeah i'm so excited about this like the fact that we can see it again like i've been so close to pulling the trigger on mm. like just paying for the uh for the streaming version and so i'm so glad that like it's coming soon um and i think shudder like this is a premium documentary uh this is a great pull for them mm. i think they should be looking at their catalogue already and trying to acquire as many of these movies as they yeah. can because so many of these movies, you'll watch the documentary and you'll either want to rewatch for the hundredth time or it'll be one that you want to watch for the first time. Mm. And yeah, the, as many of these that they can have on Shudder as possible will will massively boost like you know the the overall Shudder package. But it's really you know it's really coming together nicely now. Shudder as a, a you know global platform because i think the uk one was um you know falling behind a bit mm. and obviously like this is a uk based documentary and and kind of well not based but kind of you know the grassroots of it was in the uk and kind of um it worried me that that we weren't going to get it in the uk when i saw the announcement i was like saw the announcement i was like <laughs> hell yeah then i was like whoa hang on i know you shudder and then like quickly searched and it was like shudder uk and and yeah it's just awesome yeah, this is absolutely fantastic. I think it's the 30th is when it comes out. Um, yeah, I think so. And uh, yeah, like everyone should be watching this if you haven't already. This is the perfect opportunity. I think we even said it in the last few weeks, didn't we? Of like, find it any way you can. And obviously yeah. it can be pretty expensive to watch and hopefully it would end up on a streaming service. And I'm so glad it was Shudder, mm. um, all of them, like say, for so many reasons. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's absolutely fantastic news. I, I do remember something else as well, because I think we did talk about this on the show a while ago. Um, but Freaks is now out on Netflix UK. Um, mm. It's awesome. To yeah, see we because... did announce the, relate, uh, the release date, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, uh, I'd forgotten that it's passed. Because um, I don't know if it's just because of like what I watch, because obviously Netflix and their algorithms are so crazy. Mm. But every time I've logged on to Netflix in the last week, that's been like the first thing shown to me. Nice. Like, do you want to watch Freaks? Do you want to Freaks? I'm like, yeah, I've seen yeah. it before. Yeah, I'll, I'll, watch, I'll watch it again. Um, but I, I saw it way before you guys got it. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's awesome. Obviously, like we talked about it a lot on the show. Uh, there's been a couple of you guys that have reached out to us and said that you want to check it out. Like, this is the perfect time to see it. Definitely, um, it's incredible. You will not be disappointed. No, and if you are, you are wrong. Um, you see, but- you see when i go on netflix it just says terminator genesis so i I feel like i feel like it's just based off what you watch (laughs) (laughs) yeah that could be the only reason why they would ever want to recommend that oh Um, freaks is in the top of the trend in there for me yeah that's decent um but yeah that's pretty much it there yeah it's good um that's pretty much it for the news this week shall we dive into our next retrospective let's do it let's talk about screen two So yes, the sequel has arrived. Um, the, the sequel first... arrived very quickly. <laughs> yes, less than a year after Scream One um, comes Scream Two in theaters, mm. um, mm-hmm. December twelfth, nineteen ninety seven, in the states. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we discussed it a little bit last week. How kind of the early um, screenings and kind of like uh, audience reactions to it were almost enough to greenlight a sequel at that point. Um, yeah. the, the movie kind of debuted okay and then just had a ridiculous tale where it was in theaters for months on end. It, and it the debuted that, 
like extremely well like i was looking back at it and actually kind of like it did like 30 million yeah uh and then and and yeah it was the weinstein company that kind of put it out uh bob got behind it and kind of said i want it as a halloween release um I can't remember what it went up. Oh, I think it was like Beavis and Butthead or something it went up against right. um, when I looked into it. And then, yeah, it was still showing in May. Right. Like, it's just insane, like, the tail it had. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, And, yeah, like, this one did pretty well as well. Like, the, mm-hmm. it kind of, I think, opened a weekend, made a little bit more than Scream, which makes sense because people obviously know what it is at that point. Yeah. Um, And its overall theatrical release, it made, like, $172 million, which is pretty much bang on. It's, like, within a million yeah. of the first movie um which is pretty insane um and yeah of course directed once again by wes craven and once again written by kevin williamson um Mm -hmm. who i have to double check but i think because he had um yeah i know what you did last summer Um, yeah and the faculty yeah so i know what you did last summer came out in october 97 um yeah faculty faculty came out in 98 yeah yeah so obviously Uh, he did have a movie in between scream one and two even though they were so well and also he was he was show like writer on dawson's creek as well like at the same time yeah um yeah i've been doing a lot of well i've been watching the documentaries and doing a lot of kind of looking at like the background of these movies and like he starts to get spread incredibly thin and in Mm. this one in particular like um uh you know he he wrote the script but then kind of had so many problems that i'll come on to with like revisions and everything else that needed yeah. to be done and like he was just he was not on set and was writing all these other movies and was just like the hottest ticket in kind of you know hollywood at that point and so yeah. um wes had to get involved and, and do a chunk of the writing himself yeah um, it's pretty insane like the fact that they were able to pull this off in such a short mm. period of time like when you look back on it now it's one of those things that you're like man how how did they do that you know to get like yeah. all of the cast back and obviously yeah we, we can talk about some of the writing problems because this movie was kind of infamous for a lot of leaks pre-release as well yeah um but like when you look at some of the shooting schedules because a lot of the people that are on this they're in this film all were, were, had like starring roles on tv shows at the time yeah um because i think it was uh nev who i think was she on party of five i think was the name of her show like i'm not too sure because i've never watched maybe it. yeah um but like apparently she was basically doing like all day throughout the week and then this was like full night shoots um for the weekend Crazy. you know where you're up all night and then on a sunday night she would literally be up until like 6 a.m film and scream 2 and then and then she'd go straight into party five monday morning without sleeping <laughs> and it's just like man these these actors are insane what they have to go through to pull these sort of things off um as well as obviously everyone else who worked on the movie um but yeah that's that's a pretty good place to start obviously we'll go a bit more into the nitty-gritty but uh yes they scream 2 they made another one um, they made another one man <laughs> yeah um i mean we I don't think... really we don't really do pots do we for these ones but um no i think um like it's it's funny really that like scream was such a jab at the horror community and the yeah. jab at like the sequelization of horror and yeah. the kind of stereotypes of horror and everything and then suddenly scream was so popular that Scream 2 comes out within a year mm. and, and almost becomes what it hates instantly in in the yeah. way of the, the sequelization and kind of just churning them out. Um, but the thing is, when you've got the best director in horror and you've got, like, one of the hottest writing talents in the world right then, uh, produ- you know, making these movies, they're, they're still going to be really good. Um, mm. But this movie had no right to be good Yeah. Um, in the span that it came out. I think... Um, and it really does give credit to the writing i think more uh, like first and foremost the fact that um stab 
gets created in this in this movie yeah. and we obviously get to see um the opening scene and you know the film within a film and like that whole film within a film thing is just perfect and it's the perfect way for the scream franchise to continue and not basically just poke fun at itself because it's something completely new it's kind of third world um fourth world break in but not mm. really and it's yeah. just kind of you know it really blends those lines and obviously as we get into three it does it even on more of a crazy level but i think i think kind of the introduction of stab is the reason why the franchise could get away with those two movies very you know quick one after another um i think without that this movie would have could have easily been a train wreck yeah because um, although it's not a major part of this movie you know it's just always there in the background it's always being referenced and you get these little snippets throughout the movie and there's such a welcome relief and it's such a clever unique thing that you've never seen before that it just keeps the franchise so fresh mm. um so yeah you know ultimately when you boil down you know, you take stab out of it and it is just Sydney back at college and there are other killers like that. That could have just been really stale and really samey. And do we just focus on Derek and is he the killer again and all of that fun stuff? Mm. And like, um, yeah, I really think that is important. And also that added element of cotton, cotton weary being fully introduced into this movie. He mm. is a breath of fresh air. I think yeah. just kind of this, you know, awesome character that is just so, cagey and he's don't he's he's unhinged he's unhinged and it's done in such a perfect way that he's completely unhinged because he's lost you know what is it a year of his life or whatever mm, almost yeah. a year yeah a year to the day wasn't it in scream one um you know he's been incarcerated and put through trials and everyone thinks he's a murderer on a global or national scale so he he wants his 15 minutes of fame and he's hungry for that and, and you instantly buy into is he hungry enough to to be the killer you know it, has he become the killer because of you know the way he was treated and you know that's such a screen thing to do that as a social commentary so like him as a character was fantastic for me and i think kind of those elements helped keep this movie so fresh yeah and um you know why this is a thoroughly enjoyable and worthy sequel of the first movie yeah, I think a lot of those things you're talking about do tie into each other as well, because I think we discussed mm. with it last week how, you know, there was two murders at high school and suddenly there was all of this press in the world there. And I think that they do an interesting job of these movies of making it feel like it was like a national event of what happened. Mm. And obviously the main presence being in the first movie with Gail, how she kind of like wrote the book on like what happened to Sydney's mom. And then obviously she had like a first hand account of what happened in Scream. Um, and so, yeah, kind of then post Scream later on, you see like, of course, there's like a giant blockbuster movie which is obviously like very tantalizing and almost like um you know it's it's very much making light of the fact that like a bunch of innocent teens were yeah. murdered it's very silly and slapstick and obviously it's you know at this point it was pretty scary movie um but you can kind of see how it's like it's the middle step between screen <laughs> it really it ways. really is like stab um, is that middle ground yeah, because when you think you, you start with Drew Barrymore, who does like a really serious, incredible performance, then if you want to get like a little bit goofy, but still play serious, you can get Heather Graham. And then if you want to yeah. go full goofy, you get Carmen Electra. <laughs> and it's like you can see that perfect through line just in that one scene alone. Um, but even in obviously later on, when you see like Tori Spelling and um, Luke Wilson in the high school, like that bit is just so over the top when he like slaps his head. 
Oh, um, so funny. And, and obviously that whole conversation between Gail and Randy when they start referencing like David Schwimmer's gonna play him, and then they start oh getting my all, God. you know, they start getting really meta because there's like there's reference to David Schwimmer and Jennifer Aniston in this movie. Yeah. Um so of course they're like they're really playing with your expectations of a viewer at that point because you're like, listen, we all know that you know and love Courtney from Friends. Yeah. Um so they're just gonna start referencing that like crazy. Um but yeah, well, yeah, I always like, wait, what sort of seasons are we talking in Friends? Well, like, it's not in so this would have been like season yeah four five yeah three three four five whatever so like this yeah. is when friends was just like you know this global yeah. phenomenon and and yeah they were the hottest talents around yeah so um, it makes sense to obviously reference yeah. that. But I feel like a lot of movies wouldn't even they they're so scared that they mm. like they don't want you to possibly they're like, no, this is Gale Weathers and we don't want you to possibly Yeah, they're like, we can't Monica we Geller. can't chuck in David Schwimmer. Like yeah. the audience is gonna be like, Holy shit, that's Monica movie's ruined. It's like, yeah. no, we all know it's Monica. Like it's okay. <laughs> She's a good enough actress. Like Exactly. You know. Um, so yeah it's those sort of references yeah. that i just don't i think you get in screaming and you just wouldn't get in anything else today <laughs> and like I'll, that's what again we'll, we'll get to it in the future of kind of what is scream today and like what would we expect from the new movie but i just i don't think it would have the balls to do that type of meta humor anymore um yeah because they'd well, be too scared it's, to like ruin it for it's the just so close you know you talk about the scary movie line and obviously we touched on it last week that like mm. scream never becomes a joke it does ridiculous things, you know. Um, one of the things that is always kind of ridiculous is when Randy dies and those people yeah. go past with, like, the beatbox and doing the dance and stuff. Yeah. And, like, it's... But but uh, but then, like, two seconds later, Randy's brutally murdered and you feel sick to your stomach because he's <laughs> the best character in the world. And, and you're just like, um, you know, you, you don't... You never laugh out loud and think this movie's dumb. Mm. you know and i uh, but it but it really does get close to toe in the line um and and it really was having a great time you know with this with, with this one you know it had the pick of hollywood really of, of the, the supporting mm. cast that they wanted you know just like chucky and sarah michelle geller yeah um robert rodriguez directed stab yeah um which is just incredible like, it's awesome because I thought it said his name on the screen, directed by Robert Rodriguez, but I didn't catch it in this movie. And now I'm mm. beginning to think that is it when they watch Stab in Scream Four that you actually see that splash? It, I think it might be because I don't think it was announced at that like as a, as a thing because it, yeah. it was just it was just like a cool thing that they did behind the scenes already. Yeah, because he was obviously one of the names attached to direct the original Scream. And yeah, so, it's yeah, just that so was brilliant. Awesome. Um, and, but, yeah, it's yeah. This I don't know. This movie's fascinating to me. I think I guess generalization, overall thoughts. I really, really like this movie a lot. Um, mm-hmm. It definitely has its problems and it has some issues which we can get into. And I think that's a bit different to last week because we were literally like, man, Tatum's death could have been better, and that was like our only negative. <laughs> yeah. Whereas this movie does have its negatives. That like I think it drags in the middle a lot. Um, I think between Sarah's death, um, yeah, Sarah Michelle Gellar's. Oh, I can't remember what yeah. her name is. Uh, but, uh, uh, Casey? Oh, CC, 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 because yeah. it's Casey and CC. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So be- between CC's death and obviously mm. poor Randy's death, I think the movie drags massively, and it. I think it massively picks up in the end. I think the final act saves this movie. I love all of the ending stuff. Um, kind of the the chase with Gale in the recording studios. I think is like my favorite ghost face chase out of any of the films. It's so good. Um, yeah, just visually the way that looks. I think Wes did such an incredible job of like 
there's some cool stuff obviously on the paper with the use of the recording studio and like not, not being able to hear someone scream and especially because it's Dewey and Gail because you love that relationship between the two but I think yeah. what he did with the camera and like just it makes it such a cool visual thing how she's always like a second away from being caught that um, that whole thing is just like an absolute butt clencher from when she yeah. kind of turns around and ghost faces in the other room and he doesn't see her through the glass and she quickly yeah. ducks back and then yeah that entire weird kind of sound booth uh maze that mm. she finds herself in and yeah all of it is just yeah the, the take is perfection and the fact that it doesn't cut um yeah. you know it, it really it really is fantastic um, but my only negative of that scene is the fact that dewey should be dead <laughs> um yeah because you know they trolled us in the first film and and it was fair enough but to troll us again this hard in scream 2 when he's he gets stabbed brutally and he's yeah. bleeding out of his mouth and he's dead as hell like he should be dead man like, yeah when when you watch when you watch that um you really have to ask is any character dead in the scream 100%. universe um, because, because yeah. yeah, he's dead. You know, it ruins uh, it later on when they try in... and fake you a Gale again. Because you're, you're like, I don't buy it. Yeah, you know, because yes, yeah, I'm like, she's only got a little shot to the ribs. Exactly. Like that's nothing. Yeah. Like, um, but I guess at that point you don't know that Dewey's alive still. Um, yeah, it's a, it is a complete cop out. Like, obviously, mm. you know, the latter stuff that you get with Dewey, and you know, you lose you lose that scene altogether if Dewey doesn't get attacked. And so, how do you do it? But I think the problem was. Um, one of the things I was looking at was that, um, the the original Scream, they had an absolute nightmare uh, getting an R rating. Mm. Um, an absolute nightmare. They, they could not get there. And eventually um, Bob Weinstein had to phone up and like somehow pull enough strings to get the R rating. Yeah. And they really didn't think it was going to happen. And so with this movie, um, Wes went hard with the blood <laughs> and did, did like two cuts of everything. So pretty much every scene was shot and then he'd get a shit ton more blood and shoot <laughs> it again. And so they had, they literally had two cuts of the film ready, a super bloody cut. And then the one that was going to be the theatrical cut. So the second they got the NC 17, they'd give them the, the, the cut one. Yeah. And um, <laughs> the ratings board looked at the movie and because of the opening scene, they saw it as such a satire on kind of cinema goers and their lust for blood and everything else that they saw that the rest of the movie and the overuse of blood complemented the original <laughs> message and yeah. gave them the R rating instantly. It's so funny. Um, like, that is genius, yeah. though. Like, I've always thought about that as a concept when yeah. you think about just, ratings Just come up board. with a super disgusting scene and, and get them so caught up on that. Yeah. That you get through the, the stuff because that you that's actually what they, want. that's what they always do. Like, we hear about this with Rob all the time. If they mm. really get stuck in the mud with certain things because they need to look like they're doing something. Yeah. Because most of the time they aren't. And yeah, so, give them one scene that's just, like, yeah. hyper-violent that you don't even want. And, so, and then, like honestly Wes yeah. was so ahead of his time again mm -hmm. with, with that even now because i think yeah filmmakers wouldn't even think to do that now and if anyone's listening who's going to make a film yeah make your movie like put shit in it that you don't want to be in it because yeah you can always remove that shit later on like it's better to always mm. oversell go hard or go home exactly because like you say if you just shoot like one version of it and they're like nope sorry you can't have it because that's obviously the problem he had with the last mm -hmm. film was that he had like one version because obviously drew was like had such a limited time on set they only yeah. had like one version of her death scene and obviously then they had to like cut it and that's why well, they that's had to why they had to cut the, the zoomed yeah, up yeah the everything. whole speedy up thing um yeah 
but yeah, like I, I found that fascinating, and, mm. and I think like the Dewey scene is a particularly bloody scene. Yeah, it's a and good I feel like, up, yeah. yeah, I feel like Wes was just like spit out some blood, <laughs> you know, David, <laughs> just go mad because this, this is the one that's going to get cut, and then, yeah. then suddenly it's in the real film, and it just makes it look like Dewey had gone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is. Yeah, it is a weird one, and like because yeah, the Randy scene is way over the top, and just like so mm. many of these the. the 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 one scene that looks super gross is the um police officer when he gets his head rammed through the car. Yeah, oh my god. Jesus Christ. That was so like, unexpected. That I got like an audible gasp when I was watching that. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, when he's had like that sucking noise of his face yeah. moving in the windshield. Oh, it's disgusting. And yeah, you could just tell that he was going nuts with it and then like just got the rating straight away. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. That that scene as well, like I think that was what I was talking about with the final act really saves this movie. Is like you get the amazing scene in the recording studios, mm. you get brilliant car cop scene, which I really love. I think it's like the fact that you you don't really see something like that again. I know this is only the second screen, but like it was doing something different at the time of like, yeah. oh my god, here's the here's the killer in this like moment of vulnerability. But you have to get like super close to them, and obviously scream isn't about that. It's more about like running and screaming. Mm the fact that this was a moment of like you have to slowly sneak past someone to not wake them up like and it's love- that whole um you know he's there unconscious rip off the fucking mask yeah and reveal it and the movie perfectly shows you why they're not going to do that because you rip off the mask and then they wake up and you're still trapped in the car like you've got to get out of the car and you get yeah. out of the car and it was so terrifying that you run for a few feet and then you're like <laughs> no wait i'm not gonna run He's right there, but by that point he's gone, and like it's just perfect. The whole thing yeah. is perfect. Perfectly lucky, he's lucky that Mickey is like a ninja as well, because he was able to get out of that car, like circle around behind, and then like kill Hallie by the time that. Yeah, I mean um... he's he's quick. He's got <laughs> he's mean... got good cardio. Did you notice in that scene as well? And I have no idea if this was intentional because I think this is something that would be fascinating in future screams if they ever tried to do anything like this. But you can see his eyes through the mask in this scene all right i didn't i didn't really spot that no yeah you should you should look it back like it's like when he kills hallie and then when he's standing there you can like 100 percent see a pair of eyes through the mask and like i paused it and was really looking at it to be like oh i wonder if that and i was like yeah i'm pretty sure that is timothy like the actual actor in that because obviously a lot of times they just have like stand-ins they don't have the actual yeah. actors in it and i was like yeah you can 100 and i just i don't know if it's like a light it must be a lighting issue um maybe they had like a fake light or whatever because they're filming at night but like yeah it's it's very odd because uh, to my knowledge i can't remember ever seeing like the eyes behind Ghostface in any other like scene no i can't um so yeah so it's one of those interesting things um and then yeah i guess with the rest of the final act like that whole scene on the theater stage i just love i love like the dramatic of it um it makes the whole theater thing worthwhile because i didn't you know it's one of the middle acty parts with with her doing the whole Mm. play thing and like the director and and all of that (laughs) stuff like that's almost like a dreamlike sequence with ghost face messing with her and stuff like Mm. um it really did drag on but we had to introduce that set and how elaborate their, their set was that had fallen boulders and all this crazy it's stuff mad, going on. It's mad, isn't it? Um, like it a is, university or whatever. It's completely mad, but like they had to do it at that point uh, because otherwise if they did it in the latter part of the movie, you'd be like, well, this is just completely unbelievable. So like yeah. it serves its purpose, but I, I didn't like it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I, I really want to obviously we jump all over the place, but I really want to talk about the killers and their motives in this movie because um, I do think it's interesting. Kind of what, and We've I think it's... Endgame. Yeah, well, especially when we talk about Screams, obviously we're going to like rank the movies overall and our overall thoughts. But I definitely think 
one of the obviously one of the most important elements is kind of the reveal of the killers i think it's always yeah. an important moment then who the killers are and and what are their motives um how do you feel about this obviously com- i guess compared to the first movie and also as like a standalone like what do you feel about all those things i mean i just can't compare it to the first movie i i, I don't you know the, the first movie we spoke about last week is just so special and so mm. unique but i think kind of I really like the the killers in this. I think kind of Debbie Salt in particular is fantastic because she is in the movie throughout. She isn't just one of these throwaway characters that's just there in the background. You know, she is she is on screen a lot. She is at the murder scenes before Gail Weathers a lot of the time. And like, mm. if anyone, you know, watching Scream One, Gail is the first person on the crime scene. Debbie is there before her. There's a reason for that, um, but you don't really think that at the time and kind of. Um, so I really, I really like her as a killer and, and obviously the whole Billy's mum thing, I think is, you know, a really, a really good way. And especially when she kind of comes out of the line that like, this is just, this is just revenge. Mm. You know, there's no fancy subplot or anything else. And I think kind of, um, how we spoke, spoke about kind of Mickey and, um, sorry, not Mickey, um, Billy and Stu and how they kind of complimented each other quite a bit. I think Mickey is a good compliment to Debbie, that he is this like psychotic, he's almost like a version of kind of. Um, Billy and Stu combined, really, Mm. that she kind of mothers him. She sees some Billy in him, but he's more Stu, really. But he is this just kind of, like, completely unhinged character and, like, is just zest with the movies. And, like, I love the whole trial thing that he goes on to and, like, talks about um, the obsession with the trial. Because, obviously, like, we're talking 90s America here, like, when kind of trials were so heavily televised to have this guy that's just obsessed with the trial and stuff like i love that as like a motive almost that he's not even really caring about the killer and he's like yeah i just got to do this part my my (laughs) my fun's coming soon and like i really like when he was explaining that to sid like i really enjoyed that as an explanation Mm. yeah i think it's interesting like i think the killers themselves i like i think the fact that yeah the fact that mrs loomis is the killer is awesome and i didn't see it coming obviously the first time and i think it perfectly ties it to the first movie because like they're kind of like the main two characters that get talked about is like Mm. sydney's mum and billy's mum, and obviously sydney's mum's dead and so the fact that there was this character that was talked about loads that then we actually get to see in scream 2 i I really think is genius and they kind of they do a good job of reminding that for to you throughout the movie as well like especially with the staff stuff that i mentioned the bit with yeah. um yeah tori spelling and luke wilson talking the whole way he he reminds us you know that like oh you know my mum left me he says it in that scene yeah so like i think it's good that they they remind the audience so that you know yeah there's a lot of good famous. foreshadowing for this you know yeah so i really like that and obviously like yeah i think on paper i would prefer it to just be her 100 percent. yeah i think logistics wise they did a good job of writing in why she was basically like look i'm, a, I'm an older woman like i need muscle and i just found like the first crazy person that i could find and she was like yeah there's there's you know there's you know x amount of active serial killers in the united states yeah, at any given it. time yeah and i just found him on the internet and that's basically it and obviously and and yeah she doesn't give a shit about him like she turns on him the second she doesn't need him um so i like all of that stuff i think like the actual initial reveal is underwhelming like when you first see who's under the mask um because they show mickey first don't they yeah and obviously and then they're still trying to like get you involved with Derek, which we'll get into because i have massive problems with the way they kind of set up Derek in this movie um but then once yeah once we actually get like the reveal and it's mickey i I feel like his performance is way too close to trying to be Stu at at the end of the movie Um, it is it is a little bit over the top isn't it 
Yeah, he just becomes really like he he's starting to like spit loads and he's really exaggerated and scratching his head with the gun. And I'm just like, my God, you really did just watch Matthew's performance and just straight up copy it, didn't you? Like, and was like, was that the direction he got? Did he literally just say like, yeah, I want you to be Stu? Like it was it was bizarre to me. It was the one thing that kind of rewatching it now stood out the most of like, I love like. I remember when I first saw this movie and I was like, oh, this guy's cool. And then obviously Timothy's had this amazing yeah. career since this movie. And for years I was always like, oh, it's the killer from Scream 2 when he would pop up and stuff, you know, when he was like in all these movies or whatever. Um, and obviously I like, we know who he is now on his own merit. Um, but I think, yeah, he was obviously young at the time. And I, I don't know, I, I don't think his performance is very strong, especially in that final act for me. Like, I think I'm glad that Mrs. Loomis is incredible and she takes over because, yeah, I would have been disappointed if it was just Mickey. Um but yeah, I guess going on to the Derek stuff now, like, man, Derek is the one that like I love and hate in this movie so much. Um, I, I absolutely love him as a character. I like from the get go when you see him with Sydney, I think he was the breath of fresh air that I desperately wanted for Sydney's life after the first movie um, because Billy was just such a shithead. And to see him with this like actual sweet, nice guy was like exactly what I wanted for that character. Um, mm. And to then, but then I hate that the movie is obsessed with trying to set him up as the killer. You know, he has <laughs> he has a million red herrings throughout the entire movie. The musical cues, in particular, I think, are really bad in this movie. Like he'll just be looking at Sydney for too long, and they'll be like a dun dun, like as the scene ends. And I'm just like, oh my god! Like they just they it's try creepy, and so hard. It's yeah, it's just like it was like <clears throat> Derek was just a nice guy, man. Like he got screwed over so badly in this movie, and. Yeah, like obviously the the scene when he sings to her in the in the diner. Like I genuinely love that moment. I think it's a really sweet, charming moment. Um, and yeah, the fact that he then just he he kind of gets demoted to just the biggest red heron of the movie, and especially because Mickey disappears from this movie. Like he's yeah, at the start, think, and then he just goes. And that's I think frustrating Mickey, as well. Mickey disappearing is my biggest problem I have with the mm. movie because um, he is gone for so long that when he does pop back. You're like, oh shit, yeah, Mickey. Because like, oh like, yeah, the other character. You you get introduced to this, especially at this point, like years removed from it, a ton of recognizable people. Mm. Kind of the sorority girls, every one of them is recognizable. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously like Sarah Michelle Geller leading that, but like so many of them just disappear, and like mm. Mickey's one of them, and you're just like, oh okay, they're gone. Um, and and yeah, suddenly for them to kind of um, you know, for him to pop back up, it it, it does feel weird. I think, um, like, I never, Derek was too much of a sap for me. <laughs> like, yeah. I, 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 I get that. I just thought I'm, he was I'm sweet, watching man. the movie and I'm just like, you, you need, you need to get with Randy, Sid. That's what you got to do. <laughs> like, uh, Derek was a nice guy. He was going to be a doctor. Yeah. He was just too much of a sap. I was genuinely disappointed when he died. Like that was the death. Yeah. That, yeah a lot, obviously along with Randy. Um, but yeah, that's always the one yeah. that I'm like, man, he just got screwed over. So yeah. I felt okay about it. <laughs> and obviously like Cotton as well as the interesting one that we discussed, who is amazing in the movie. I think he is probably the best actor in the movie overall. Mm. Um, but I think that they also spend way too much time trying to make him seem like the killer. Like those are the two main ones. Oh, I, I really like the cotton one because I believe it. Yeah. Um, And his performance. Yeah. And everything else. And it would be such a commentary by the scream franchise to make him the killer. And it was, and it was so obvious and it was so in your face that you kind of thought like, they're not going to do it. And then you're like, no, it's so obvious. They did this with Billy. Like Mm. this is the one. And I think when I watched it the first time, he, I thought he was the killer. Like I'm not, I can't, I can't entirely remember. I mean, I wasn't sitting there going that Debbie salt. 
she yeah. she's always there early but like um well, that guy that was in the first act i reckon he's gonna turn <laughs> yeah. up and be important later on mickey the creepy tarantino hours. film student yeah um but but yeah i think um like i know we're jumping around a little bit but i really want to yeah. talk about the opening scene yeah um oh yeah so good because so like what a way this, to start this movie yeah it, like obviously we spoke last week about the drew barrymore scene and it being like mm. one of the greatest opening scenes of a movie ever like this might be top five like <laughs> scream two it's so good um the fact that i can't even remember how scream three opens and oh, i can mate, definitely remember how I scream can, four opens <laughs> i can tell you how scream four opens right now but i won't no, i know how scream four i don't know oh, scream, scream three no i mean yeah. scream three yeah oh man it's a banger um <laughs> <clears throat> but um Wait, I think I actually know now, and I'm really disappointed. Yeah, we're not going to talk be. future spoiler. Is it a death of a character? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh damn it! I remember now. Yeah. I'm not. Oh, we'll save it for next week. I'm going to be so annoyed. <laughs> yeah, at least watch it because let's talk about it while still. Let's talk about it while remember it. Let's not talk about it while you can't remember it. But the, the opening scene, yeah. obviously, um, yeah, of this, this movie. movie. Um, first of all, what the fuck is this couple doing? That's not how you go to the <laughs> yeah. cinema. Like they they arrive, the, the film free. starts. They like sit down, they're having a little chat. She then decides to get popcorn. He fucks off out of his seat, <laughs> leaves all their stuff in the seat. He then goes to the <laughs> toilet. He's just dicking around, listening to someone in another cubicle. I'm like, mate, you're a big premiere by the looks of it of Stab. I'm like, watch the movie, bro. Like, mm. I was like, these 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 people deserve to die. Like if you're going to go to the cinema and you're going to fuck around that much and not watch the movie, <laughs> you just have everything you've got coming to you. Like well, get in thing, your seat. I, I can't imagine we have a horror podcast. Like I think, you know, she said she doesn't watch scary movies. I don't, he I don't said care, he, man. he went because it's free. Like, I don't care, man. I don't think they really like, want to do that. <laughs> get to the cinema enough time to have a piss, get your popcorn, get your small, I mean, that was a small drink, by oh, the way. That was a small I'm so drink. glad you mentioned that because I, I paused it and was like, that's too. a small. Yeah. That's how, I love how that's how outraged we both were. That, yeah. That's the most British thing we've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a small. Well, that's oh, a my small God, I can't I've believe it. I've never seen a drink that big in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a 90s American small. <laughs> yeah. And to be honest, by the time they'd messed around, by the time she gets back to her seat and the killer gets back to the seat. We're talking Billy reveal moment. We're not talking <laughs> the end of bloody Drew Barrymore getting killed. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But, but that aside, like it, it was just gold. Like it really mm. was gold. And I think, um, you know, just getting introduced to the world of stab and, and, you know, that movie, like watching that was just an, uh, amazing. And just seeing all those moments again in this kind of parody type way. Um, but it wasn't like this laugh out loud thing. It was like, no, this is what Hollywood would do to it. And like that's why it was so genuine. And yeah, it was just it was just an absolute banger of an opening. I love that the movie starts in a really big way because it's just a <laughs> random couple getting murdered in yeah. public. And so then you're like, what the hell's going to happen to this sequel of this movie that was a very personal story? And then kind of very quickly after that, when we start learning motives, we're like, oh, no, this is still Sydney's story. This is still the story of her and her mom and Cotton and Billy and all of that stuff. And then obviously we like I like when they tie it in in a very clever way of like, oh, no, someone was just doing a copycat thing. And I think obviously it was a bit of a stretch, but like yeah. I'm glad that it made sense within the movie because then within the first act, 
fact, I was satisfied. I was like, okay, you gave me this fun, like unexpected opening scene. And you've also like, you've then, you, you broadened the movie and made it massive because it felt like, oh my God, Ghostface is just killing everybody now. And then you like stripped it back down. It was like, no, 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 he's still, still whoever the killer's killer or killers are, it's still a very personal story to Sydney, which I really Definitely. liked. Um, Definitely. But yeah. There's, I, I don't know really what else to go about this well, movie. That's a lot. I've got, I've got two things I was going to talk about, and that was when they're in the film class and they're talking about all the movies. Oh yeah. Um, finally watching this with Randy being like my favorite character in the franchise. Um, <laughs> he did the one cardinal sin and deserves to die. Right. But he, he did not acknowledge that T two was a better movie than T one. I was going to say how because um, yeah, Mickey said it right. Yeah. So yeah. so like yeah, I'm I'm you know, Randy deserved to die. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, and also, enough. and also, this movie made me uh, pop in my Blu-ray of Aliens. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> because, because I well, I was watching it, and I was like, I thought the line was "Get away from her, you bitch," <laughs> not "Stay away from her, you bitch." Yeah. Randy's wrong. Mickey's I looked right. up some trivia for this, and I was really confused by it because obviously I don't know the line that well. But there was there was one of the, one of the lines of trivia was something along the lines of like it was it was written in the script wrong that like yeah right. he corrects him the okay. wrong line and then they ab libbed it correctly on the day or something. But like but now no, you're saying the that way what ended up in the movie yeah, yeah. was wrong. So yeah, I don't really know. It's a, it's yeah. all a mess. <laughs> it's it's weird. Um, yeah, but yeah, like I I just love that scene so much kind of um you know them just talking about the movies and randy just being in his absolute element with all his impressions and everything it was the perfect way to reintroduce him yeah it was so good um yeah one of the things we spoke about last week that i've kind of um uh and obviously we get that in this movie where we see um uh it's really cc that has like the call phone call conversation with ghostface um and it was a real good one especially because i love the fact that when the friend comes home you see ghostface enter the building i really love that as an added element there's two bits in that actually which are fascinating because i think Mm. this is in that scene as well yeah but you're absolutely right that bit's interesting because he's still talking on the phone Mm. and i was like oh okay are they are they just straight away showing us in this movie that there's at least two killers or is that or is that what they want you to think you know so i was kind of like that's interesting in itself like obviously i I knew because i'd seen the movie ages ago but i was thinking from a filmmaking standpoint standpoint i was like did they want the audience to know that there was at least two killers again yeah Um, because that's a very clear you know in you know intention thing to do um and then the other thing is he talks to her in the flesh doesn't he i don't know if it's mm. in that scene but he talks to her directly not on the phone with the voice thing with the voice yeah number. not uh yeah he doesn't talk to her he talks to sydney oh okay right yeah. Sydney, yeah yeah so when oh, yeah, when, that's the bit when Derek goes back in yeah yeah so when sydney's talking to him and i can't remember exactly what he says but she's like show yourself fucker and he's like yeah. i'm right here yeah and he actually talks to her with the synthesizer yeah. obviously because in one we get shown that this is a voice synthesizer that they hold to their face and kind of you get that quite a bit in three don't you um but but yeah kind of actually having the killer speak to sydney was 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 a new thing um there's a cool moment with that as well with that scene afterwards with obviously Derek going in the like because we talk a lot about i think this movie has way too many red herons and spends too long setting up the wrong people yeah there is an early clue there that mickey's the killer because he says to sydney wait why did he go inside and yet no one knew at that point that Derek went back inside other than Sydney and the killer and Derek. Um, and she kind of gives him this look like, wait, how did you know that? So that, that's like one of the only yeah, cool little things. He knows that he's injured, right? 
Yeah, I guess so. Like, but it was. It I mean, was it's like, not why did you go back inside? Yeah. You know, like it was. It yeah, was very specific. Yeah, true. But yeah, it's not a leap, really. No. But, but yeah. Um, at least yeah, I was trying the... to say that the movie was at least trying to set him up as a killer, okay, not just point. Derek. <laughs> fair point. Um, but yeah, one of the one of the things we spoke about last week was obviously with uh, Drew Barrymore and like her telephone skills when she's not talking to someone. Yeah. Um, I later learned, and then for this movie as well, yeah, that actually, well. yeah, that Roger Jackson was um, who's the voice um, of the voice <laughs> of the killer. Yeah. Um, is he, he's on set but he's not visible to anyone and and no, keeps him, he keeps him completely hidden so like nev campbell didn't <laughs> meet him for the entirety of scream one oh, i God. assume i assume she met him like before scream two but like wes keeps him very hidden when he's on set <laughs> and um Wes's basement yeah and he talks movie. yeah and he talks on the phone to the character so that's why they are responding to him um yeah and it goes and, to show and, man and yeah like even um uh, like apparently with this one, like Sarah Michelle Gellar did go over to him and find him and like talk to him. <laughs> but like, otherwise like he was kept very far away from the characters. And I thought that was just an awesome thing. Again, like yeah. Wes just kind of, um, you know, we, uh, you know, over the years people have talked about kind of um, movies and the, the actors not having anything to go with, you know, kind of the, um, the Star Wars prequels got that massively where like, the, you know, they had the best actors in the world that just would, would, had nothing to go with. So they couldn't mm. kind of perform. And like Wes is just given the actors and actresses so much ammunition to go with, you know, for Drew Barrymore to actually have the voice on the end of the phone is truly terrifying. And, yeah. and that really helps amplify her, her performance. And so he's yeah. just given them all of these tools to give stellar performances, which I thought was fantastic. Um, and yeah, the, the the script itself was like a real mess with this movie. Um, yeah. you, you touched upon it earlier, and like I did too. Where like um, the first like third of the movie leaked online mm. while uh, before they even began shooting. Um, so like this is they, the nineties as well. <laughs> yeah, which is just mad. And so yeah. and like I, I saw Wes kind of talking about it in the documentary. Like he is so angry about it because the movie had to train change drastically. And like by the sounds of it, Wes liked the original vision more than what mm. what we got, and um, and in the end, yeah, um, they threw out so many different pages and so many different killers, and it wasn't actually until kind of the final weeks of production that the the, the final script pages were released to the the, the um, uh, to all the actors and 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 the killers were actually revealed um to, to who was playing the roles and and everything like that which is just in, which which is just such a like you say nowadays you can understand it like we see some of the secrecy for um like when the first star wars kind of movie came back when force awakens came back i don't know why i'm chucking in all these star wars references <laughs> um but you know there was a ton of secrecy around the closed set and everything else and you had like these drone pictures didn't you and all of that fun stuff and like um to have this hysteria around a movie that was kind of like the sequel came out hot off the heels of the first movie and we're talking the late nineties and this was getting leaked online. Like it mm. really sucks and like it really damaged the movie. Yeah. Um, and you know, they did such a good job of managing to salvage it. Um, because I think one of the things that was, uh, you know, one of the characters that was spoke about a lot that was going to be the killer was, um, uh, is it Hallie? Yeah. I wanted to talk about Hallie. Yeah. Um, because she's kind of, um, in in this movie, 
the, well, the, you know, the movie we got, she she's pretty much thrown in. It's just like she is Sydney's rock. She is her best friend. She is uh, absolutely unblemished, and she's not the killer unequivocally. Mm. And you know, the police are watching her twenty four seven, but Hallie can still share a room with her. Yeah. Sid is getting taken away to like an undisclosed location, but she can suddenly come along. Poor old Derek, you know. Mm-hmm. Stappy Derek, he's not a lad, um, <laughs> but but you know Hallie is, and and it really like watching this movie again. Like I was thinking to myself, Hallie's the killer. Like she she really should be the killer because it's because like the movie tries so hard to make you think that she you know just be like no she's good like just let her blend in don't worry about her, and then and and yeah like I really do think that that maybe she was the killer instead of Mickey, uh, you know, and then, and then for whatever reason, they decided not to go with it. I think it's interesting because for me, it wouldn't have made much of a difference because the reason why I wanted to talk about Hallie was because I think her and Mickey are like the two most undercooked and like less screen time characters in the whole movie. Like they really are like, obviously with Mickey disappears for a massive period of time, um, which obviously doesn't help him. But I think with Hallie, yeah, she is just kind of set up as the best friend and then she just doesn't really do anything. And I was, I really wanted just more from that character. Um, and I'm glad it wasn't just, Oh, she's the killer because then it would have felt again, like Mickey of like, haha, you didn't think she was a killer. Did you? And it was like, well, no, cause she didn't give us any sort of clues or, or inklings. Like, I think that's, again tying it towards where what i find to be a really good killer and a really good reveal and a really good motive is that like i don't mind red herons like the movie obviously has to have red herons you yeah, can't just have you can't just have the killer doing dodgy stuff but i think what i really liked was like gail and dewey um who i thought were great in the movie like i really liked their red herons like the small ones when um when randy said to him like why do you have a limp you were stabbed in the back you mm-hmm. know and he's like oh it's nerve damage you know it's like little things like that when you start to be like huh he's acting a bit weird and then get with gail it's like man you really profit from this more than like anyone else so like, you obviously cotton wants to get his 15 minutes of fame but like gail is the one yeah, that she's got literally it. yeah she's made a career off of this and so like yeah they could have easily put in a thing of like man my book sales were down i was gonna lose my tv show like i needed to get some more you know killings in here so like i really think again tying into my overall thoughts on this movie where and how it could have been a little bit better was like they needed to spread out the potential motives for killers because ultimately they just went right we're gonna force Derek and cotton as the potential killers down your throat until you're sick to death of them and then surprise it's two other characters and, and i think that to me is like my only is, is one of the downfalls of this movie obviously i really really liked it but i think that is the difference so far at least well, obviously we'll keep discussing it as we discuss the later movies but comparing this directly to scream one scream one wasn't like that it didn't constantly like force one person down your throat to then just completely reveal someone else and i'm curious like whether any of the other movies do that because i mean the, the problem the head, is i think but... i think kind of scream one did it in such a different way hmm. where it, it threw billy down your throat down your throat down <laughs> yeah your throat, he's the most the obvious guy yeah that, yeah to the point that you were like oh it's fucking billy it's clearly billy and then you're like then you're like, nah, he's thrown in our throat way too much. Yeah, it and can't be him. There's him. too many clues. <laughs> like, yeah, and so it was like this perfect, like, just just poking you for the entire movie. Just going, yeah, yeah, it's the killer. He's the killer. He's yeah. the killer. No, he is the killer. Like, <laughs> and and it was done so well that like, I just don't think they could ever play up to that. Um, and, and like, yeah, you know, that's why I really like Debbie as the reveal because she yeah. is in this movie a lot. And yeah, if it had just been like one of the one of the frat girls or something, you know, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, mm. you saw her twice," um, yeah. you know. 
Or, That's how um, it felt with Mickey, for sure. Or how about the little cameo that um, I didn't see, but only saw when I read the uh, trivia at the frat party <laughs> around 35 minutes? Did you see yeah. this little cameo, it's, or did you read about it? I read about it, and then I went and, back, and I yeah, still can't too. see it, because it's No, ridiculous. me too. Me too. <laughs> but the one and only uh, Matthew Lillard is in this movie. Yeah. So, yeah, if you fun. haven't rewatched this yet, look around uh, the 35-minute mark. Um when the frat party's going on because apparently he's there <laughs> yeah he's on screen for a, less than half a second and it's out yeah. of focus and blurry in the background but um apparently he's like greeting mickey which is kind of funny because it's like the two killers hanging out um nice but yeah that is a, that is a, one of them that was probably my favorite little bit of trivia that i saw after this um it's yeah, worth me mentioning too. as well that obviously the documentary you keep referencing is mm-hmm. called still screaming um yeah and yet, I think it was on the Blu-ray release, and it may or yeah. may not be all on YouTube. If you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, what, yeah, I guess overall thoughts. How do you feel about this? Obviously, not you're not going to put it above Screen One, are you? Anytime soon? No, I think I think right now, second place is a good place for it. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I agree. But yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Like this movie, um, you know. The, the the love and the fact that scream is you know my favorite horror movie and an instrumental to both of us in our love of the horror genre and mm. you know everything else like the fact that this movie can come out and it is worthy in almost every way as a sequel you know it doesn't surpass it in in almost any way but it is completely worthy and still fantastic um you know really does show that you know um Obviously, the cast and everything else is fantastic, and just Wes is just such a visionary. And like you know, the things that were spoken about, he's just so intelligent. The things that he was doing, the 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 way that he was given actors enough chance to perform, um, the mystery and the intrigue, and the fact that he could just turn this around so quickly. And he was mm-hmm. kind of. Um, you know, he was doing things that people are doing now where he was getting like the edits done. And so he was kind of, you know, um, looking at the dailies of the day before in the evenings and getting getting everything done and just doing such a quick turnaround that like people kind of spoke about Peter Jackson doing with like Lord of the Rings movies. And mm-hmm. like Wes was doing it back then and kind of, you know, he was just such a visionary in so many different ways. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I really just don't think he gets like um, the plaudits as just like... A visionary and just like, a, 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 you know, one of the most incredible filmmakers of, you know, well, just of film, really, for me. Yeah. Like, you know, um, because he's in this genre. Um, but even within this genre, like, I don't feel like his name always gets thrown around with the greats. Mm. Yeah. You know, he, he's almost like, because he's just had, like, such controversial movies. Um, but, you know, yeah, for me, for me, he's the best. Yeah, for sure. I think what's interesting is obviously Scream 1 is a better movie, but I think this is almost a better achievement for Wes's name because of all yeah. the different reasons. And when you look at, like, say, how quickly this was turned around, he obviously didn't have that, like... He didn't have a script, script that, man. Yeah, like, <laughs> Ke- Kevin had obviously perfected that Scream 1 script when he was shipping it around, so he had he really could fall back on it, and of course it was still an amazing movie. But yeah, like, with Scream 2, obviously the rewrites and everything, he really was just, like, thinking on his feet and trying to get the best out of these characters and actors pretty much on set for the most part. And yeah, it kind of blows me away. When you when you look into this more, the production of this movie, it blows me away that it's as good as it is. Um, yeah. Like I say, I still have my issues with it, you know, surrounding, like, the killers and kind of, like, overly putting too many red herrings on other characters but like overall the movie's still great i think the kills are better in this one mm. um 
I think I enjoyed the ghost face action more, you know, like ghost face running around with it, with, with the costume on and the knife. Um, like I said, in particular, the kind of scene with Gail, I think was awesome. Um, and yeah, so I think that's the stuff that re- I really took away from this. Mm. And yeah, it's, it's a hundred percent a worthy sequel. You know, you still get Sydney still obviously amazing, like really loved Gail and Dewey and all their stuff and then how it progressed. Like I like that it wasn't, it was, I, this was one thing I didn't really remember. It's like, I kind of forgot that they were like annoyed at each other at the end of Scream 1 again. I almost imagined it of like, oh yeah, they kissed in Scream 1. And then from that point on, they were just right. like happy with each other. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, to kind of see like, oh no, they do, they do go through their like stuff. And like, yeah, like I think Dewey is just really good at this movie. I think almost better than the first one, actually, which, which shocked me. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. He he was a little bit. He he is a weird actor, isn't he's he? He's so weird. Yeah, like like I said man, before, I genuinely don't know if he's the best actor or the worst actor. <laughs> he has made a living for himself. That's all I'm gonna say. He's living the dream. Like he got his Hell dad yeah. in this movie. Yeah, like you know, he just got to chill with his wife and dad. Like he married fucking Monica from Friends. Like he <laughs> he was just he was having the time of his life. Yeah, like he really was, and and living the dream. I think. Um, you know, one of the things I just wanted to touch upon quickly was like Nev Campbell and obviously Sydney in this. Mm. Like, that's one of the things that her progression as a character I thought was fantastic. And one of the best, um, like, revisits of a, um, you know, um, screen queen that we've seen, mm. that she is completely reshaped because of the events of the first movie. But, but she is trying desperately not to let them define her, but she will she will stand tall and she will fight. And this whole movie is about Sydney being a fighter and the, you know, they, they throw it in your face, but like, you know, throughout the movie, when she goes back to the car and even in the final scenes at no point when she's at gunpoint with these, with the killers, is she the victim? Mm. She's never crying or worried. She's always looking for a way to fight back and get at them. And she just becomes like, she's just such a super strong character. I love her so much in these movies. And like in this one, she really, you know, this this was the one where she just became super strong, um, you know, and it, it's quite funny because they, they even touch, uh, they touch upon like the whole him, Linda Hamilton vibe, don't they? Yeah, as Mickey says it, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, and like, <laughs> it, it really is, um, you know, and, and then obviously like she carries it on and I think kind of... Um, you you look at um what you know going back to Wes and like um he does a fantastic job with that with Nancy with like Nightmare One and Nightmare Three mm. and I think kind of like you know building these characters into a world where they're not just thrown in for part two and you're like oh yeah they're still freaked out and they're still getting nightmares or whatever um you know Sydney in this movie is such a stronger different character than the original and and like I say like looking at the comparative the one that sprang to my mind when I was saying it was Nancy. Because I thought the way she was transformed for Nightmare Three, you know, not not to review that movie, but was was fantastic as well. So it just shows that, like, you know, Wes will really understand these characters and give them true meaning, not just you know chuck them into a sequel and let them do the same thing again by the numbers. Yeah, for sure. I think that's the thing that just blows me away. Is obviously now it's like this is an iconic franchise and people are going to continue to rewatch these movies. But at the time, it was mostly you know a production company that really wanted to to kick on from the success of that movie. And so then you've got a writer who is like really up against it to get out this script. Then it obviously gets leaked, so he's going to have to do all these rewrites. You've then got Wes, who's got like ridiculously short period of pre-production time and then you've got this cast who have like they're fresh come off the hit of scream one plenty of them they've all got these tv shows as well and then they had to just immediately run headfirst into a sequel and yeah it does kind of blow me away that um 
it does feel like unique in a lot of ways. Like yeah. I think that's the biggest thing about this conversation is that we're not really stepping on the same toes of the first movie. Like it'd have been so easy to make it all about like it's in school again and it's all about Sydney and all this stuff. Like they do so much to make it feel like a different sequel. Um, yeah, which, which but I it's think even it's even just thing. like you know it's not the play on horror movies anymore. You have the little mm. bit with Randy at the film class, but other than that, like the whole horror movie discussion is not throughout this movie. Yeah, um, you know, and, and I think that's probably why they took Randy out of the franchise when they did, because I think kind of if he just keeps being there and talking about horror movies as much as I love it, like that would become stale. And so the fact that they move on and become just like the the real world versus the movie world is such a clever choice, and it just shows how it kind of evolves over this movie. Yeah, the other thing I'll say about Randy's death is like I think he he was like the sacrificial lamb because I think going into the sequel, they had to kill someone like they, yeah. they played it a bit too safe with the first movie. And then they probably played it a little bit too safe with this one, but at least Randy, like as much as I didn't want him to die, I'm glad he did because if everyone survived, that would have been a bit ridiculous. And especially like say in light of with the Gale and Dewey stuff where they seem to literally have nine lives, the two of them. Um, and again, I love those I do characters. Like Cotton calls her a cat, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, like even now remembering what happens in Scream 3, I'm already getting <laughs> Sorry, annoyed. Um, yeah, we'll look forward to that next week. Um, but yeah, I guess, yeah, final notes, obviously, I guess the official ranking so far, Scream 1, number 1, Scream 2, number 2. Um, be interesting to see how this changes. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, that was our discussion of Scream 2. We will take a short break and we will be right back. Yeah, of course, if you ever want to get in touch with us, uh, you can tweet us at shbpod, or if you want to send us a longer email, it's superhorrorbrospodcast at gmail.com. Or, of course, you can leave us a voicemail on Skype. Um, how do people do that again? Because I can never remember. Uh, they can search for us on Skype. We are Super Horror Bros. And then um, if you voice call us, it'll go straight to voicemail, and you can leave your voicemail. Nice. And we do have one this week. We do indeed. Um it is from uh, Kat, long-time listener, and uh, yeah, she has left us another voicemail this week. Uh, we'll listen to it right now. Hi guys, it's Kat here. Um, you've just challenged me in the latest uh, edition of the podcast to tell a bit more of my story of a midnight show in the screen. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> I thought I'd record it because it's a bit hard to convey in writing. You'll see what I mean. And I was an usher, as I said, um, in cinema, my local Odeon, when I was in uni back in 96, uh, Scream came out. Everyone expected it to do really badly, and they put it in a tiny screen, and then it was full every night. And it was full ongoing for almost a year. It was stayed in that same screen for almost a year. So it was wonderful seeing all these people enjoying it the first time and getting really scared. And then coming back again and again to see it because it was one of the few screens in London still showing it. Then in June of 97, I went to America for part of my degree and lived out there for a little bit. And they were showing a screen midnight show. And by that time, it had been on in America for months. So everyone had seen it who wanted to. So the gang in there, it was almost full. Everyone had clearly seen it a ton of times and 
it was like Rocky Horror. So from the first minute we threw Barry Moore, everyone was cheering her and shouting, don't do it and look behind you and don't answer the door and that sort of thing. I'm shouting the answers to the questions that the killer poses on the phone. And people were just cheering along. When Henry Winkler's principal is on the screen, there's a moment when he turns and catches sight of himself in the mirror and then smooths his hair like the Fonz and everyone just went, hey! And it's little things like that. People were cheering Randy because why wouldn't you? And it was it was amazing. I remember turning around at one point and just watching the audience for a while and watching. And that was Cat's uh, uh, voicemail. Nice. Um, we uh, we did get a little cough there. We've learned something this week, and <laughs> that is that Skype voicemails can only be two minutes long. Uh, yeah, I assume so. so. <laughs> Either that or it just disconnected. But the fact that it was bang on two minutes makes me think that yeah, yeah. there's probably a cap on it. Um, but yeah, the, up to that point, obviously, yeah. Thanks for dropping that message, Cat. It was awesome to hear. I love the fact that um, obviously hearing about the cinema being packed for Scream for almost yeah. a year is just incredible. And I think a movie had legs like that. Mm. You know, we we spoke. Uh, uh, a lot about an end game kind of last year and how long that had a theatrical run thought for and how crazy it was and that was only what like three four months or whatever yeah you just don't see that um now. no you know it's always on to the next big thing and so here and that was awesome and obviously like what what cat described for her midnight screen in in the states of scream wasn't rocky horror cat that was <laughs> that was the uh opening night of stab you yeah. described <laughs> like that sounded awesome i mean it sounds awesome if you've already seen the movie a ton of times. Yeah. Like, I do not want that experience when I watch a movie for the first time. But, like, no. right now, if I could go to the cinema and watch Scream with that sort of audience, with people running around as Ghostface and just, like, screaming at the camera, uh, the, the screen, like, that that would be an awesome experience. And, like, yeah, well, yeah, like I say, one that I definitely, definitely do not want week in, week out, but would, <laughs> would very much like it for Scream as a one-off. Yeah, the only time I've ever been anything that's even remotely close to that was that I went to see the Cornetto trilogy at the cinema and it was prior to the midnight release of um, The World's End. And so mm. it was like the lead in was Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. And very much, yeah, like that first, obviously the showing of Shaun of the Dead, like everyone was quoting it and everyone was like getting along with all the jokes. And yeah, that was, even though that was like a British audience, so as a course it was a lot more reserved, but like that was... Yeah, but that was like the only time I've had it a bit like that, and obviously because that was a movie that at the time oh, I thought like, you were going to say hundreds of um, times. I thought you were going to say when we went and saw the IMAX version of Terminator Two. <laughs> you're sat next to me. No, I can't block that out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like that—that that was like the only time where it was kind of like okay, like everyone of course is watching this, and then like, even by the time they got to Hot Fuzz, I think people were a bit exhausted, <laughs> and then when once we watched World's End, we were like, we just didn't even know what was going on. It was just a blur. <laughs> Sounds like uh, sounds like a British horror experience. Yeah, for sure. And I'm glad she mentioned as well about the whole um, with Henry's character because um, <laughs> I forgot to mention. Like, yeah, there's some funny scenes, and they're like his leather jacket is hanging in his cupboard as well. Mm. Um, and obviously, of course, just before that, you get the classic Wes Craven ca uh, cameo. Mm. Um, and did you spot as well, like at the the opening scene with Hallie and Sydney and Scream Two? There's also the the sweater hanging in her cupboard. Mm. Um, yeah, in yeah. Room. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I love how he's he's got to get the Freddy swear in there in some case. You got to do it. You got to do it, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it for our respondent uh, correspondence this week. Um, wait, what, what what else have you been watching, really? Have you been watching anything lately? Um, I've been playing a lot of video games right now. There's a 
there's a beastie video game out right now called the last of us that's taking yeah. up a lot of my time yeah we can't talk about that because you've not finished it yet <laughs> yeah we'll we'll deep dive into it when i get through it but yeah it's a big boy it's keeping yeah, me busy also also there's a ton of like i know we spoke about it a little bit with the scream documentary but there are a ton of documentaries out there that you can watch on youtube <laughs> yeah i was gonna say especially when you go looking for that one you get a lot recommended to you <laughs> yeah and I, i've been watching a few of those <laughs> yeah um yeah and i've not got through i've started a couple and i definitely do want to talk about them at some point because they're fantastic yeah. um the one that i'm going through right now but it's a four-hour documentary <laughs> is the uh never sleep again nightmare on oh, elm street no. documentary yeah. um uh to be fair at least every single one of these i do own because yeah. uh, i've got it on dvd anyway but who's gonna watch dvd at this point yeah um but yeah like um yeah it's a four-hour beast but it's just like it's a it's a fantastic like um it, it was my favorite film documentary that i've watched um and i've never rewatched really it so i wonder where it will sit now have, mm. having watched kind of search of darkness and you know the the leviathan one for the hellraiser and that sort of thing yeah <clears throat> um but yeah yeah so i've been rewatching really that and it's just like a super good time nice um yeah, I've just been watching loads of TV lately. Um, obviously, coming soon, we'll be discussing Nosferatu season two because that is coming soon, and also the Twilight Zone season two. Mm. Um, one of those shows we really liked, and the other one we're a bit indifferent on. So those would be interesting conversations. Um, but yeah, prior to watching those, um, obviously I finished uh, season one of my rewatch of Ash versus Evil Dead. Nice, um, which was just a blast. I even I listened to episode one with the director's commentary as well. Oh, okay, um, nice. Because yeah, they had Sam on there and bruce and a couple of the producers as well and the, yeah they were just straight up talking like not scene by scene just like how the hell did this happen you know like mm. when when were we gonna make evil dead 4 and all of that stuff so like it was really fascinating to see what that journey was to get it to um to, to television obviously and um yeah there's uh, there's commentaries on every episode um they nice. don't all have um sam a lot of them are they just all the have cast. Bruce. yeah i think it's bruce and then obviously <laughs> um dana and um oh god i can't remember the actor's name now who plays pablo um but yeah it's mostly those three um on the commentaries mm. so i'm sure that'd be a really good time as well um but yeah season one was a blast like i'm taking a little bit of a break from it now because obviously there's a lot of tv coming that i want to focus on but yeah i'm excited to fit like obviously season two and season three like season three in particular i remember just loving every single week yeah. of that show. um so i cannot wait to get to that um yeah definitely having watched kind of season two it has some real high highs but it mm. also does drag and yeah. season one does not drag and my no. memory of season three is that it does not drag yeah um <clears throat> i don't know whether that's probably th flattering season three a tad because thinking back there's that stuff of kind of pablo when he's going like the weird kind of interdimensional stuff that goes into it for a couple of episodes and that, like, mm. I, I don't know, but like, um, yeah, season two was when there was like a, an entire episode with like the car and like, uh, a few episodes like that where, where they kind of like had a decent idea, but it wasn't a full episode length idea, but they yeah. still ran for an entire episode of it. Um, but it was still a fantastic time. Like it was still absolutely stellar. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to get to it at some point. Um, I've also been just been watching loads of Goosebumps lately. Um, nice. like this is the obviously the original '90s TV show. Like I'm into season three now. Um, so I'm like well over halfway of watching them all. And yeah, it's been like 
crazy time like it's been this mix of like nostalgia and remembering watching so many of these as a kid where it really was like one of my first introductions to horror for sure um obviously still watching like hills of ice part two as a child (laughs) um but also watching goosebumps which was made for children and um yeah like it is that real mix of like it's really fun and then some of it is just laughably bad to the point that it is still really entertaining yeah Um, like the level of acting and stuff and it's like you you just you you have to wonder what the level of budget was for the show and some of um, it some of it is still pretty terrifying yeah you well, know the, the um, season the season i'm in now like every episode has a super dark ending where mm. like either the kids are just get turned into monsters or they're like you know they're stuck in some hell like they they really don't give you these like forced happy endings at all which i really appreciate considering it's like a kid cast yeah i mean you know i'm i'm watching it uh you know, with a, with a young child, like right now as an introduction <laughs> to horror. And it, and it is difficult because you need that happy ending mm. for them to like finish it and be like, okay, everything was fine. And like, yeah, it's just, it just doesn't give you that. And like, yeah, I actually watched the uh, Phantom of the Opera one uh, earlier. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, that has some terrifying stuff in it where I'm like, you know, um, for, for kind of, I don't really know what age group it's aimed at. Um mm. I guess like is it like seven or eight? I guess yeah. Um, but yeah, and then, then the fact that every ending is kind of like, oh yeah, we all got caught. We're all we've turned into a monster. I've turned into a you know, uh, I've actually turned into a dog. Yeah. <laughs> the end. I'm yeah. like, what? I was a dog all along. Like that was a really good one. <laughs> yeah, <it was> so good. <laughs> Attack of the Mutant is my absolute favorite episode. Still, like even yeah. rewatching now, I was like, this is gold. Like the set design, everything. I absolutely love that episode so so much. Like if if anyone's never watched Goosebumps or whatever, I'd highly recommend you seek out. Uh, Attack it of the is. Mutant. It is hilarious because you feel like they were given a budget for the series yeah. Yeah, and, they and then they belong it on like two episodes 100%. And, they, and then they get given like a 30 episode run they're like oh shit yeah like and then it's so like two of them they're just like in the woods and they just like got like two sticks and like Woo, for like yeah. 25 minutes <laughs> there's so many episodes where it's just like we're in a house and there's may or may not be a ghost and it's like it's so boring like those are the episodes that are terrible but when you get like a you know a monster blood or like a say cheese and die mm. or a slappy like you know you're in for a treat for sure. well i swear some of the actors are like the same and they're like we'll just get you back like you're here right now stay in this house we'll we'll do some creaking staircases we'll chuck together an episode it can yeah. you know it, it is fine we can figure out which one it is <laughs> yeah but the, the level of quality is all over the shop <laughs> yeah it's fantastic <laughs> but I, that's why i enjoy it for because you never know what you're in for um definitely yeah the only other show i've been watching lately is um what we do in the shadows um obviously season two um has finished this year now and i don't think we've ever even talked about this on the show but obviously no. it was like the it was like the original movie what four or five years ago um what really made um taika watiti's career who's obviously like one of the hottest things now in hollywood um obviously like just won an oscar and he's gonna be making like star wars and he's just doing everything basically obviously did thor that everyone loved mm. um, but he started with this weird kiwi vampire comedy um which i remember liking at the time and um yeah i watched season one last year when it came out i was like oh this is decent like people really seemed into it and i was like oh it's good like i like the cast and that i just it's weird because it's supposed to be a comedy and i just don't really laugh that much at it even though Mm. like i enjoy it if that makes sense um yeah and yeah i've watched three episodes of season two now and i really do like it a lot like i'm laughing more this year and like i really just like seeing like they have crazy cameos that 
I don't even want to begin nice. to spoil any of them. But season one had a lot, and already season two, it's like every episode. There's like A-list people that are in this show that you're just <laughs> like, what? Why did this guy pop up? Like, why did he want to do this? And I'm like, I guess because he just thinks it's funny to do this weird vampire show. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I like it. It's fun. Like, I think a lot of people will really dig it. Obviously, if you're into that humor, like, it's very like. Because obviously it was it was the style of like the Kiwi stuff with 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 the original movie, but now it's got a very heavy British cast for the for the right. actual TV show. Um, so it's very like dry British humor. It's you know shot still like a mockumentary. Um, yeah, I, I like it for sure. Like I don't love it because I don't find it as funny, I guess, as I think I should. Um, but I still like really appreciate what they're doing. Um, so I'm definitely going to see out season two because when it, when it, season two first aired, I was like, I don't even ever want to watch this sort of thing. Mm. Um, because like westworld came out this year season three didn't even yeah. think about watching it because i was Same. like season two was yeah. a complete waste of time um and yeah i'm always curious like did westworld get good again and i'm like yeah, <laughs> I, I don't care nah, I don't it's care. not possible um so yeah. yeah i'm glad i watched it though yeah um, i never i've never seen any of what we do in the shadows like i've seen like you seen the film no i've seen like oh. images and stuff and like it's just film? I've never been gra- I've never gravitated towards it. I've just uh, the the imagery and like the trailer that I've seen. It just mm. never really seemed like my cup of tea. Yeah, it's very uh, so silly and very really camp. Yeah, like that's the kind of humor that it is. But mm. yeah, I, I do like it. It's cool. I, I would definitely recommend watching the movie because I think that's like a higher quality overall. And because that was just this weird little like indie thing at the time. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. And yeah, like like I say, there's still plenty of TV to come that we'll obviously talk about in the coming weeks. Um, I mm. may or may not have already started Twilight Zone. Um. I may or may not have already watched the episode that Jordan Peele wrote. Um, so we're definitely going to have to talk about that because, oh, it's interesting. Um, what episode yeah, is it? Uh, the second one. Second one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that'll be interesting because obviously, uh, obviously we talked about it in the news like a little while ago, but they dropped season two just all at the same time. Um, yeah. Different to the last season. <laughs> And um, we discussed kind of how to watch it. And I've definitely been watching them as like one a day right now because <laughs> that's like, pretty good for you. Yeah, because they're so different. And it's kind of like I can't just finish one and be like, right, let's go into the next one because they're not. What are you doing with the other 23 hours, bro? Goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> Goosebumps, go. what we do in the shadows, Ash vs. Evil Dead. You know, I've been watching a lot of different TV, like I said. Um, but uh, yeah, and then we'll be watching Scream Free very soon, which like I'm, I'm looking forward to, man. Like Scream Free is a weird one um yeah we'll obviously get into it next week but i always feel like it's like the what's the term like the ugly duckling of the screen yeah it's like the black sheep yeah like it's not it's not very well received shall we say and it kind of killed the franchise for a little bit um but i'm not yeah let's not let's not start on screen (laughs) let's give me me the best one i can't wait yeah i'll I'll start jumping into its defense right now if we're gonna okay (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure they couldn't possibly kill off like I don't know the best character from Scream 2 right at the start like they wouldn't do that so he already um, died from Scream 2 RIP Randy <laughs> um but yeah that was our retrospective of uh Scream 2 thanks for listening as always and we'll see you again very soon see you later everyone and through my veins and travels to my head they said you'll die soon enough anyway shut up I can't believe because I never could how could I start that